Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Forward GC, a podcast where we interview general counsels from some of the world's most innovative companies in the tech industry. Before we get started, this is our first episode since the coronavirus pandemic has seemingly took the world by storm. And from all of us at Law Trades, we hope that you, your families, and your teams are safe and in good health. Today, I'm excited to have on Hank Greenberg, general counsel of Oscar. Hank, welcome to the pod. Uh, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Thanks. Um, Hank, to start, can you give the listeners a quick intro on Oscar and what your role is at Oscar? Sure. So um, Oscar is uh, two things. Oscar is a health insurance company, and we're also um, a health technology company. And so we kind of mush those things together. And uh, the idea behind our play in insurance is that by uh, bringing consumer-facing technology to bear on a very old industry, we can improve the consumer experience with health insurance. Uh, we can drive costs down. We can uh, make care better and more affordable. And uh, my role at the company is um, exactly what you'd expect for a general counsel at a highly regulated company. Um, my team does everything from uh, way through healthcare and insurance regulations for the company, um, all of the standard type of business legal work that you would expect. And then for me as a general counsel, I spend a lot of my time working directly with our company's leadership on um, the legal incidents of some of the more strategic uh, types of issues that cross our plates, uh, especially now given that um, with the health crisis, we, we've got our hands full and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, for sure. And how have the last few weeks been for you? Um, we're on April 3rd right now. I think we're about two to three weeks for most of the country on just sort of being uh, shelter in place for the most part. And uh, like you said, I could imagine this is a busy time over at Oscar for you. It is. And I think, you know, taking a step back, I think we, we feel very lucky that we have the opportunity to be helpful uh, for our members who are trying to get care and stay healthy now. So um, in one sense, I, I, I can't reflect on the amount of work that we've had and, and feel anything other than privileged to be able to do it. Um, but it has been a challenge and it has been very busy. A lot of the work that we've been doing recently is uh, trying to internalize the reams and reams of new regulations that across the country we've seen state insurance regulators implementing uh, in order to help contain the spread, make care accessible and affordable. And it's literally been a torrent from every state where we operate uh, over the last several weeks. And so from the legal side, we've been doing our work to digest those and help our business operationalize them. And then, of course, there's just the increased volume of uh, engagement that we're getting from our members asking how to get care, how to get testing, um, where they should be going, how to stay healthy, and all the rest. So for the entire company, not just the legal team, it's been all hands on deck. Uh, and that's a good thing, but um, it's also been a challenge given that, uh, like, like other companies, we've migrated to 100% remote now. So we've been uh, trying to ramp things up at the same time as we've had people working from home trying to get set up from home. Right, right. And I've, I've been using, uh, full disclosure uh, to all the listeners, we're customers of Oscar and the resources and all the changes you guys have been making, constant updates and stuff like that have been super helpful. Um, so kudos to you guys for you know being at the forefront of all this. Um, so let's go back a few weeks. Um, I think... You know, about a few weeks is a few weeks ago is when um, all of this sort of madness and chaos just started to come up, come up out of nowhere, seemingly. Um, 
how did you guys respond internally on a team level? Like walk me through some of uh, those moments and, and how you guys um, got to be where you are right now currently. Yeah, I think you know, as, a, as a team, as a legal team, you know, we're, we're at about 20 people now, and that includes government affairs, uh, legal, it includes some, um, some of the business expansion functions that have a high regulatory lift to it. We're lucky as a company in that we've had a lot of resources already set up. Uh, and culturally as a company, we accommodate work from home and, work and remote work uh, in a big way. And so for us, uh, as the wave was building and we, we saw what was happening on the front lines at our providers, we had started as a company to think not only in terms of us as a business, how are we going to protect our own people and how are we going to um, maintain the continuity of our own operations, but we've also been giving a lot of thought to the types of initiatives, business initiatives, regulatory uh, uh, types of mandates that are going to come down the pike that we need to be prepared for so that when they did hit, we wouldn't be caught flat-footed. And so for a few weeks in March, we've been giving a lot of thought to that. Um, on the legal team, uh, we've been thinking about how to best structure uh, team meetings, how we're going to structure our work differently so that we can absorb the extra volume of work from COVID-19, but also keep the lights on and continue to do the day-to-day work that we have to do to execute on the company's plans for next year and beyond. So, a lot of what we've been doing is trying to set up those touch points to make sure that the roles and responsibilities among the team are, are fairly clear, delineated. So we've had a, a point person, a lawyer on my team, who has been on the front end of all of the COVID-19 related work. Um, by the same token, we need to ensure that that work doesn't swallow up everyone's time. We've got a lot of stuff that we want to do this year. And um, even though we're working for them, and even though it's got a lot of extra work coming at us. Uh, there's stuff that just can't follow off the radar screen because uh, of this very distracting thing that we're all working on. So um, as the leader of the team, I've tried to uh, ensure that we're structuring our time in such a way that we're not too focused, even though we have to, uh, without a doubt, turn around things on COVID-19 quite quickly. Right, right. And one of the things as a member uh, that I've noticed is all the resources um, that you guys are putting up, whether it's finding, uh, helping people find, uh, testing locations and, and things of that nature. Um, we'll definitely link to some of these, but what do you think are some of the resources that you guys are offering right now that, um, people should take a look at, you know, whether they're members or, or not members just yet? Yeah. So I think, um, for non-members on our public website, um, you can click through to the, the library of resources that we have. And I'd say the, the highlight of that is a personalized risk assessment survey. Uh, and that's a great entry point for uh, the public if you need to figure out whether based on symptoms you're having or based on interactions you've had, based on where you live and whether you've been near someone who is symptomatic or confirmed infection, whether you're a candidate for testing. And then if you do, uh, if you do based on our risk assessment, uh, if you are a candidate for testing, then uh, that will refer you to, to a testing site that we also have uh, on our website. And that's constantly being updated. And so as a, as a public-facing matter, that, that's a great resource and one that I would highlight. Um, for members, um, the same resources that are available to our members uh, throughout the year are available to our members now um, in the sense that uh, you know, we ask our members when you need 
to get care, when you're looking for where to get it, call our concierge member services team. They can help you find the right provider for you and the right site for you. And that remains true. And so what we want now for people who think that they might have symptoms, might be a candidate for testing, um, uh, what we want them to do is do the same thing they would have done before, which is call our concierge team, engage with us, and we can help you find the right place. Um, the other thing I would highlight when it comes to uh, the member-facing resources that we have is our telemedicine platform. So uh, for years now, we have had um, free telemedicine across almost all of our plans in other states. And um, that's a great resource uh, now for reasons that could be more obvious. But um, we have always tried to route our members through our telemedicine platform to get care because it's easy, it's effective, um, it's cheap, it's free for them. And now, now uh, that it's harder to access care in a brick-and-mortar setting, that's even more true. And so we have added resources to our telemedicine offering. Um, we've got partnerships with providers that, um, that provide treatment to our members through those services. And um, we want that to be the entry point for care, um, precisely because it's hard to get care otherwise now. So those are the two biggest uh, things that I would flag for listeners um, that are resources that we've put a lot of energy and thought into just over the last few weeks to try to get ahead of this. Great, great. And how do you think this changes the state of healthcare and tele- telemedicine going forward? So two things. On telemedicine, I would say that it certainly had the effect of accelerating what we, we thought and what we have thought is the, the trend for the last few years. Um, more and more services are moving online. Uh, the availability of tenant telemedicine has been growing on a state-by-state basis um, for some time. And, and that trend was a trend that even just in the next couple of years, we would have expected to make some major ripples through the way people access care, um, not just for uh, individual market or small group insurance um, members, but also through government programs such as Medicare. I'd say that this entire crisis has put the gas pedal to the metal on that. We're seeing a lot of providers now that um, historically have not been as receptive to treating patients remotely now getting at hold. Um, seeing more services migrate online. So uh, before it was a lot of urgent care and some primary care. Now we're seeing behavioral health um, migrate online. Um, so almost everything that can be done remotely is going to be done remotely now. And we've also seen a lot of plans, including us, start to drop the um, co-insurance or co-payment for those types of services to encourage people to go there. Um, that certainly has an advantage when it comes to maintaining social distancing and not um, exposing people needlessly. But it's also a secular trend that makes a lot of sense in terms of the overall cost of brick-and-mortar care versus remote care to begin with. So that, that's a big one. Right. And then I'd say the other one, the other one is on, on healthcare generally. I think, in general, the state of preparedness for an event like this um, is something that's going to become uh, a talking point and a major policy issue for years to come. This is a little bit like uh, you know, America's vaccine for, um, for pandemics in the future that could be even more virulent and more damaging and devastating. I'm hopeful that what will come out of this entire crisis is um, more attention to personal protective equipment for providers, to search capacity for you know, ICU beds and equipment like ventilators. Um, I think those things will be top of mind from now on, and it will affect the way that people get health care. It will affect the costs that run through the system. But ultimately, I think what we're learning is that um, a stitch in time saves nine. 
and those front end costs could end up being uh, could end up being quite smart in the long run when you think about the economic damage and um, when you think about the cost of caring for people uh, in settings that are not prepared for it. Right, right. And you touched on this briefly, um, but Oscar, according to LinkedIn, it looks like has well over uh, a thousand employees across the country. Um, how has this transition to going fully remote been for you guys? Um, I'm hearing from a lot of GCs and customers that we work with um, that you know the transition is pretty difficult and because it just happened so abruptly. Um, so how have you guys handled the remote transition and what tips do you have for GCs that are going to remote? Um, and, and you know, feel free to plug any resources or tools that you guys are using a lot too. Yeah, so it, it has been hard. I think mostly in the sense that it was forced and you know compulsory, and that no one really had a choice. It wasn't the type of situation uh, where we said, "Gee, um, you know, we're going to be phasing this in, or we're going to be moving to this type of work arrangement over a period of months, and we're going to see what works and what doesn't." Um, there's certainly no flexibility. This is just something that we've got to do. I think some teams have weathered it better, not because some teams are just inherently better at it than others, but there are certain types of work that are just uh, amenable to remote work and, and other types of work that really aren't. Um, I think the legal team is fortunate in that um, we can work remotely fairly seamlessly, uh, and we've maintained a lot of the usual communication structures and touch points that make working um, remotely uh, uh, easier, even if working in our office, uh, it's just kind of a luxury to be able to sit around the table and hash out issues. Um, as a company, I would say that the hard, the single hardest part has just been um, for our member services teams who are sitting in, you know, an enormous building in Tempe, Arizona, sitting side by side, having to start to migrate to working uh, remotely from home. Right. It's just not really the way they're set up. They don't really have the same computers and the same types of technology available to them at home. And so having to be available was a real scramble. Um, although we've done it and it's worked pretty well, so uh, it was more of a short-term uh, type of pain. Um, when it comes to the types of tools and, and, and techniques that I would recommend to, to help make the transition smoother, for me, the, the single biggest principle that I've been trying to adhere to is just over-communication. I think when you're sitting remotely, it can be hard to um, appreciate uh, what you're hearing and what you're not hearing, whether you're, you're getting the information that you want or need, or whether you're communicating out the information that you should be to both you know, subordinates, reports, and, and also um, uh, other leaders in the company. And so my mantra throughout all of this, both for myself and for my team, has been, you know, don't hesitate to click send on that email. Don't hesitate to pick up the phone. You know, if you think it's something that could be useful to someone, um, communicate it out. Because I think the real danger of a fully remote uh, workforce is not communicating enough. Right. And um, the place where we get to that right level. But in the meantime, we've got a lot of meetings, a lot of standing one-on-one, standing team meetings that I think if we were sitting in the office, we would all say, gee, is this really necessary? Do we have to do it? But given that we're all removed, we're not canceling any of those. We're just moving forward. And partly it's to encourage the communication. Partly it's just to, to, to hear voices and see faces. Um, if we don't have anything on the agenda, it can just be nice to hear what people are doing. So I think maintaining those, even if you think you might not use them, is, uh, is important. Right, right. And how do you see this all playing out over the next few weeks or months? Um, I'd love to get your two cents on where you see this all going. 
So I think in a big picture way, uh, the things that have to happen to us as a country and, and across the world in order for things to start to feel back to normal uh, is we've got to continue the things that we're doing as far as keeping people apart and, and reducing the transmission. And, and I'm certainly no epidemiologist, but um, you know, based on everything that we've heard and read, we've got to just commit to that and make sure that we're all doing our part. Um, I hope, and I think this is, you know, a task for governmental leaders and for our leaders in um, the private sector, particularly in, you know, the biotech world, um, to increase the level of testing that we have across the country in such a way that we can identify places where the spread is happening quickly and, and run interventions to stop that from um, from getting out of hand. But we're not, we don't appear to be there yet. Um, so. It, it seems based on you know our own company's planning and the things we're hearing from the providers that we work with very closely that we're going to be doing this for um, for at least another you know a few weeks at least and it could be another few months and um, all of the pain in the interim will be worth it if we can reduce the amount of suffering and reduce the amount of loss of life but it's just something that as a society we got to commit to so I think you know I'm optimistic that in a couple of months we'll. I'll be uh, sitting around a, a table in an office uh, and, and not doing it remotely. But I'm also mindful that um, you know if we have to add weeks onto that in order to make sure that everyone's safe, that that's something that we're prepared to do, and that's something that I hope as a society we're prepared to do. Because it means that um, we get to endure a little bit more you know, social, psychological, and economic pain. So um, I don't know how it all ends. I don't know when it ends. I'm hopeful that um, once we can get a sense for the light at the end of the tunnel, the, the psychological burden will get easier. But um, it'll take some time for sure. And, and, um, you know, at Oscar, we're trying to do as much as we can to support our members and to support our providers, since uh, the general public, people who are sick, and the providers that are caring for them are the ones that have the hardest work to do over the next few months. For sure, for sure, and. How are you spending your downtime, like during this whole thing? Um, it, I'm curious to get your two cents on that. I mean, any good books, TV shows, podcasts, things like that. I mean, what are you doing to stay sane during this time when you're not busy working? Yeah, so I would, you know, I, I'm having this uh, this realization that I think the world is in some ways divided into people that you know, have little kids at home and are trying to figure out how to entertain them, and people that don't, and, and a little bit of simplification, but. Um, uh, I've got a two-year-old here at home with me, uh, and my wife, who is uh, going to be having another baby in about a week. So uh, we certainly have our hands full when it comes to downtime. Oh, wow. um, there, sadly, has not been as much time for movies, um, TV, books, Duolingo, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Scrabble, as, as, as I would like. But um, we have been able to unwind a little bit here and there. I think, um, for me, uh, I've been listening to old uh, interviews uh, that Mark Marin does on his podcast WGF, which I really enjoy. Oh, it's a great um, podcast. I've been trying to, yeah, great podcast. Um, I've also been trying to to brush up on some of the online CLEs, in part because there's some areas of law now that um, are becoming more and more important as we get deeper into the crisis, and those are things that I want to make sure that I'm up to speed on and that I'm aware of. Things like employment law and um, what types of paid and sick leave. Uh, 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 resources are, are out there for lawyers. To me, that's been something that I've been focused on and spending more time on. So I've been voting up on that through PLIs, online CLEs. Um, beyond that, uh, I would say that the, the thing that I've been beating the drum on for my team, and I've been trying to do it myself, is 
to take those little moments to try to like, you know, if I can go outside and take a walk around the block right. um, to just go out and try to get a little bit of sunshine. Uh, I think those things are mentally incredibly helpful. Um, it's tough to stay cooped up. And so just those little 10, 15 minute breaks there trying to get a little vitamin D, um, to me anyway, are a big part of, of trying to stay mentally uh, healthy during this entire thing. So. Those are those are not earth shattering tips, but but that's how I've been doing it. Right, right. No, I appreciate that, and and it's uh, definitely good to know. Um, I really appreciate you doing this. Any uh, parting words that you want to leave the uh, member, or I'm sorry, the uh, listeners with? Um, no parting words. I mean, I would. Uh, I, well, maybe the one one parting word that I would say is that we're all in this together. I think it's um, it's uh, foolish to think that any of us is laboring, you know, sort of in a vacuum and that we're not experiencing some of the same problems. I get a lot of mental solace out of knowing that um, startups and companies all over the planet are dealing with some of the same issues that I have and that we're not all just sort of out there struggling ourselves. And so, um, you know, I've been on the tech GC uh, listserv really encouraged by the amount of back and forth and sharing of knowledge. And um, to me, that, that, that shows me that we're all part of a community, even if we're not physically part of our community right now. And, um, you know, so to, to me, that's a, that's a big kind of variable. And uh, just knowing that we're, we're all in it together as a society. So um, a society of people and also of lawyers. So to the extent that helps uh, listeners, uh, it helps me. Great, great. Thank, Hank, I, I really appreciate this. I know you're uh, super busy, middle of a work day here. Um, but thanks so much for uh, all the insight. I, I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.